Democracy died the day people stopped believing in God. It dies as a concept the day an individual realizes democracy is manipulatable and can be harnessed for his or her own private purposes, and it dies corporately the day the people conspire to manipulate it for their mutual benefit. Democracy, as an ideal, is a method for a cohesive group to decide between competing but compatible objectives. Democracy in practice is a method for robbing Peter to pay Paul using Judas as a surrogate or broker. Democracy permits Paul to take property from Peter by means of the superior power of Judas. In other words, entitlements are the illusion of a debt. Judas creates the illusion of a debt or obligation so as to perform a sting against Peter. To benefit Paul, so Paul will in turn give power unto Judas. So long as Paul plays along with the sting and its illusions, democracy can continue because Judas is being paid for his service to Paul. It is the day that Paul wakes up and realizes he is a victim of a larger sting that democracy dies. In fact, in a world in which accounts are inviolable, democracy cannot function. When Judas does not have the ability to extract wealth from Peter, but more importantly, cannot benefit Paul with another person's money, democracy will be eliminated. But the focus of this short piece is on what forces are in play at this time to help us understand the forces which are shaking so many of us awake to the pitfalls of democracy. The key to understanding the events of the day. Is understanding why Christian nations are democratic and why the loss of faith is also a reason why Christians are waking up. To understand why it is that Christian nations are the democratic ones and yet why it is Christians who are realizing how democracy is evil requires Christians understand the relationship between democracy and Christianity as well as the incompatibility of these two ideas. The law of the dual narrative is pertinent here. The law of the dual narrative states that in any debate, the proponent argues the theoretical and the opponent argues experience. The person making the positive case will claim that had people followed the theory, the program would work. This position is usually dismissed as a no true Scotsman argument. The supporter argues no one followed the program as it was designed. Therefore, no grounds exist to claim the program would not work were it properly implemented. The con side invariably argues cases. Those against the program list case after case where the program probably did more harm than good. But this position is also dismissed, but on the grounds that the argument merely begs the question. The fact that there are many issues reported does not prove the program or theory was the sole or primary cause of the problems. It is not as if the alternatives were not rife with their own problems. If the debate is between which is better, capitalism versus socialism, the two sides will generally switch positions. The person opposed to socialism based on cases will support capitalism based on theory. The one for socialism will oppose capitalism based on cases. The point of this illustration as to how arguments proceed is to suggest that with good people everything works, with evil people nothing works. 
Armageddon is mankind with the same institutions but without the stabilizing impact of God and his people. The problem with democracy is not democracy but democracy's tendency to destroy Christianity. Democracy opens the door to socialism and socialism is a mechanism for depriving man of the need for God. Democracy therefore carries in it the seeds of its own destruction. We see a loss of Christianity in the gradual replacement of charities with government programs. This might appear to be a good thing, but using the state to care for the needy removes the responsibility from our neighbors. But it is not just that a state usurping a role of the church lessens the need for a Christian response. The state is not able to provide the personal kind of help the church is able to give. Bureaucrats do not know their clients personally and rarely want to know them if it not an election cycle. So long as we embrace democracy, we keep open a back door into our property. We have to understand the mechanism that is democracy if we expect to understand its impact on the church. If others say they will abide by the majority decision, it behooves the rest of the group to accede to this same obligation. But is this a genuine guarantee or simply a ploy to get us to play a game where the other side decides on the rules? The assumption we make is that the group that votes is homogenous. The election of an individual is not seen as a significant event. If the desire of all members is to see the group do well, democracy is not likely to have a negative impact on part of the group. But what if this assumption was held by a minority? What if the electorate was not a group at all but two antagonistic camps? What if one half of the electorate were drug dealers and the other half vegetable growers? A win by one would result in the land growing pot and a win by the other would result in the land growing vegetables at a large loss of income. Even so, there will be those who will argue the majority vote ought to decide the use of the land. But if growing vegetables is a lot of hard work with little in the way of financial rewards, though healthy food is made available to feed one's family and growing pot gives is highly remunerative even at the cost of gang wars and a need to import foods from outside regions, the short-term outlook will favor a vote for those who support pot growing. Even those who advocate for free markets might commiserate with the farmers while still arguing that on balance the group is better off selling pot and buying the food they need until supply chains are disrupted or the market for pot collapses regardless of one's position on the two options democracy favors the drug dealers the lure of easy money is an easier sell and more likely to attract the most voters But is the accounting on which the drug dealing option is sold reliable? Do the drug dealers have the same level of investment in the region as do the vegetable growers? Even though each person gets one vote, the vote of the drug dealers may cover only one tenth of the total capital being considered. The vegetable growers may have settled and built up the area, whereas the drug dealers are new arrivals. to clarify the situation alluded to here take any group it really does not matter the makeup the probability is there will be a part of the total number who has a vested interest in the status quo 
Often this group is alluded to as the middle class. The middle class mostly wish to be let alone. They are both not adverse to some socialism or a bit less government. They will tolerate movement towards extremes so long as on balance they are permitted to keep the wealth they produce. The middle class tend to try and vote a middle path as they rarely want either extreme to predominate. But there are a smaller number who have no connection to the area or the institutions in operation. We can call them progressives. For progressives the future is open and unbounded. They are not attached to the existing system and so they are free to vote for any change or reform that looks to make them better off. Because they have no vested interest in the status quo, it takes little to buy their loyalty. Progressives will vote for increased spending because they are living off of income rather than investments. They are not investing because they live off of disposable income. There is a tendency for this part of the population to focus on immediate gratification. Christians and conservatives generally have far more invested in the community. But as the value of their investments decline or the reward for hard work lessens, there is always the temptation to look for an easier way to make money. In other words, the general trend of any election is to favor the immediate benefit over the rewards of long-term investments. The long-term offers no guarantee of a payout, especially when there are a sizable number of persons looking for a short-term payout and children are not in the picture. People may accuse people who worry about the future of xenophobia when faced with the prospect of people with no entrenched interest in a region becoming their neighbors, but the supporters of unmetered migration probably have nothing invested in the area either. What does it matter to someone who has consumed everything they have and more besides, if a politician pledges to liquidate all reserves and mortgage the future to the hilt, once elected? As more and more persons join the army of the landless disposed, more will join them. We know as people leave the middle class and join the indignant, the economy flatlines. The economy requires people to have homes and jobs and a future to keep a civilization growing. When a large percentage of the population is voting solely on the issue of personal benefit, democracy ceases to exist. Without a common cause and shared purpose and even a common identity, elections become a tool used to divest the middle class of their property and this ultimately destroys the nation and the economy. There has to be the assumption of a common interest, a social contract as it were, so that the voter is not simply voting to benefit him or herself to have a democracy. Democracy cannot be just a thin veil for fascism. But this abandonment of the national consensus for a group benefit is more of a spiritual death than a physical one. The body politic has ceased to operate as a unit with a common identity and common cause. Democracy has become a divided politic of two or more groups all desperately attempting to have their agenda pushed forward. The physical death of democracy is when Christians finally realized whether the stripping of wealth and power is benign or aggressive, they have nothing to gain from cooperating with aliens, that is people not of their world. Christians and democracy are two different methodologies. 
Christians help one another and Democrats help themselves to the help that Christians provide. It's an unbalanced relationship and one that will always favor the Democrat, the supporter and lover of democracy.